We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Welcome to the Doug Collins Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Do you want to listen to a podcast? By who? Georgia GOP Congressman Doug Collins. How is it? The greatest thing I have ever heard in my whole life. I could not believe my ears. In this house, wherever the rules are disregarded, chaos and mob rule. It has been said today, where is bravery? I'll tell you where bravery is found and courage is found. It's found in this minority who has lived through the last year of nothing but rules being broken, people being put down, questions not being answered. And this majority say, be damned with anything else. We're going to impeach and do whatever we want to do. Why? Because we won an election. I guarantee you, one day you'll be back in the minority and it ain't going to be that fun. I don't know about you, but as you've watched out over the world, the war in uh, Russia and Ukraine is not just isolated to Eastern Europe. It's spread all over the world, and you can see it in market instabilities. You can see it here. People who do not think that that war is affecting you, all you got to do is look at gas prices. You look at uh, your food prices. You see the, the global uh, change that has happened. But you know something that's also affected investments as well, and I've said all along, Legacy Precious Metals is your navigator. They're the ones that see you through to get to the next level. The good news about this is, even with market volatility, market instability, you've got uh, options. And gold prices are rising as investors turn to gold, and gold presents a hedge against this inflation and the protects you uh, against the weakening dollar, which we are seeing. Legacy Precious Metals is the only company I trust to deal with gold and silver and the other precious metals. You need this investment. You need this as part of your portfolio to keep you buffered from what we're seeing in the world. War and, and, and volatility in the market, this is where you need to be. Uh, call Legacy Precious Metals today. Uh, be proactive about this. Get on board with it. Call them at 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or you can download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com, your navigator in a volatile world of investments. Hey, everybody. It's Doug Collins. Welcome back to the Doug Collins Podcast. Got a great uh, time for us today. Going to be talking with Kelly Shockford from First Liberty Institute. This has been a year that will go down in the history books, I believe, as one of the most uh, written about, talked about uh, years in the Supreme Court and the cases that have come before the Supreme Court, the turn of the of a conservative majority on the Supreme Court and getting back to really looking at what the law says, what the Constitution says, and, and taking it at that turn. And that has become, as you well know here over the last little bit, a political issue has become an election year issue. But the good part about it is, is I think for the first time in a long time, we're seeing a court that actually is interpreting law as the Constitution we believe intended to. Now, that's going to be an interesting uh, perspective for most of our liberal friends and from our conservative friends as well. But one of the leading uh, people that has been pushing the court for years, standing up for religious liberty, standing up for personal freedom, standing up for the just the very essence of, of what our Bill of Rights say is First Liberty Institute, and Kelly Shockford is one of the heads of that. He is the leader. 
Um, and we've had uh, Mike Berry on from the from the Institute before. But today we're just going to talk a little a bit about well, the Institute itself, what they do, and then get into and dig into these cases. So, folks, you're going to have a great treat here today on the Doug Collins Podcast. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be on, Doug. It is good. All right, let's get to, let's go back in history a little bit because I mean, it's a lot of times people hear a first liberty, it's in the middle of a of a case. It's in the middle of something coming up. They see, you know, the Coach Kennedy case, which we'll talk about later, or the vaccine case with the Navy SEALs, or or the main school choice. That's where they start to hear about it. But what? How did the, it get started? How did you get involved? What is? The, just tell us a little bit more about the institute itself. Well, when when I was. Uh... Uh, you know, in high school, really, I knew my gifts were in analytical thinking and speaking. And you'll understand this. I thought, well, I either need to be a pastor or a lawyer. And people <laughs> said, that's like a God or Satan choice, isn't it, to be a pastor or a lawyer? <laughs> and uh, I realized I'd probably do better at uh, law because I'd, I'd probably do better at dispensing justice rather than mercy. So uh, law was probably my <laughs> calling. And uh, I went and got out and uh, finished clerk for a federal judge. And after you do that for a year, you can kind of, you know, it's such a unique experience that you can kind of name your job. And I had all the job offers and I just sat in my little clerk's office and I thought, boy, I just feel like that's not what I'm supposed to do and work for one of these big law firms. I remember thinking, well, what do you want to do? And I thought, well, you know, I should use my legal skills because I feel like God's shown me I should do that. But I want to help pastors and churches and religious freedoms and our founding principles. And I'd even like to go to seminary. And uh, I laughed uh, because there was no such paying job in the country at the time. And about two weeks later, two guys called me, never met them, big partners with big national law firms. They said, look, um, will you go to lunch? I said, sure. And they said, you know, we started donating our time for religious liberty and we're not getting so many calls. It's hurting our ability to make a living. So we were wondering, would you be willing to come on, do legal cases, help pastors, churches, religious freedoms, and our founding principles? And you can even go to seminary part-time if you want to. So uh, that's, you know, being a little, maybe a little immature in my faith at that time in my, you know, mid to lower 20s, I said, let me pray about it. Like that wasn't the answer to prayer. And uh, when I said yes, they said, how much you need to live on? And I was, I was at the time, I was making 28000 as a clerk for a federal court. So, I mean, they pitched in out of their pocket. We started a nonprofit and that was 33 years ago. And, you know, 33 years later, First Liberty is the largest legal nonprofit in the country that all we do is religious freedom. And, and amazingly, uh, and I give God the glory for this because you could never produce this of your own effort. Uh, we just had two landmark victories at the Supreme Court within six days of each other uh, for religious liberty. So it, it's amazing how it's an American story, right? Something that didn't even exist, but uh, somebody had a dream and God uh, uh, carried them along. And now we're, we're, you know, where we need to be, which is unfortunately really, we need to be able to handle uh, last year over 700 legal matters because of what's happening across our country. It is, Kelly. Before we get into the first liberty, I mean, you made something. I think the listeners, of the podcast, can relate to this. You know, it's interesting. You said you were sitting there in your clerk's office saying, "Well, here's what I'd like to do, and here's what." And two people, you know, God provides two people who come and give you exactly what you're looking for. I love how you said, "Well, let me go pray about it." <laughs> That's right. I, I can't tell how many times I've sort of done the same thing, and, and I think sometimes God just looks at us and He says, "You know." I go back to, and I shared it while we were out there in uh, at a conference we just had, which was a great leadership conference. 
you know, is that idea that sometimes God just sort of sits, you know, like Gideon sits under this tree and looks at us and says, what are you doing? You know, I'm giving you these abilities. Let's go get it. Uh, as it yeah. goes, but before we dig into the cases though, talk, from a first Liberty for standpoint, because I know people help. I mean, you're a nonprofit, you do that. Is there ways people aside from bringing cases or talking, how can people help uh, first Liberty? Yeah. Um, I'd say the main thing is just make sure you go to first, just spell it out. First Liberty dot org and there's a deal called the insiders alert i would just encourage everybody to sign up for that we've got over a half million subscribers it doesn't cost anything but the things people can do i say immediately are number one people can pray you know when we're standing in the supreme court with coach kennedy and he's all by himself boy he needs some prayer cover and and so number one people won't know all about a lot of these cases if they're not getting that email every friday that we send out that says here are the three or four biggest cases but the other thing doug is you know if we win cases and nobody knows we're winning cases then what really have we done and and it so people can get these every week and they'll see the victories and what's happening because we're winning over 90 percent of our cases um what'll happen is they can share that. I want them to sort of be the Paul Revere or the Paula Revere with their friends and, and take the things that they see that they think their friends will care about and share them. Because what will happen is people will become more bold in speaking out and in standing for their faith and what they believe and, and free speech and free exercise of religion will all prosper more. But if people don't know and they're scared and they don't realize what the law is and the victories in the courts and what's happening, then they'll be more timid and we'll lose our freedoms, not even because we're losing cases, but because people are unsure and the media has sort of convinced them that these freedoms no longer exist. So I, I would encourage people, make sure and get that um, email every Friday because it's a way for them to pray. It's a way for them to be in the know and it's a way for them to tell their friends and encourage their friends to stand. Well, and I think that's something is it's really important. And, and, and as we get into this, you know, the, the the media does not want us, you know, will not promote the victories for for these religious liberties. They're just not, you know, they're not out there saying, "Oh, this is a good thing." In fact, many times they're actually against us. And uh, and and that will sort of lead. And I think one of the interesting things uh, for our discussion, and let's talk about some of those victories. Probably one of the biggest, you know, in, in this this cycle. Of course, you know, people are talking about Dobbs. They're talking about the abortion issue. They're talking about the the gun issue. But one that was really had been floating around for a little while was the Coach Kennedy case. And I think that is one that is, you know, I, you and that's how I got to know First Liberty is during the time on these religious freedoms cases in the military and prayer and how we do it. Coach Kennedy case is an issue. And, and, and there may still be because, again, the media wasn't real happy about this. In fact, it wasn't it Sports Illustrated that said that this was, you know, why even Sports Illustrated commented is the biggest issue, you know, is a, you know, just devastating to, to society from their perspective. Talk about yeah, the, the Coach words, Kennedy the, case. Oh, well, the words they used at Sports Illustrated was, if Coach Kennedy won, it could be the beginning of the end of democracy. That's what they said <laughs> at Sports Illustrated. So if Coach Kennedy goes to a knee after the game by himself for 20 to 25 seconds to thank God for the privilege of coaching these young men, that could be the end of our country. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, you know, if Sports Illustrated had been around in uh, at Valley Forge, I'm really wondering what they said. Well, George Washington <laughs> blew it now. You know, he, <laughs> so, you know, Doug, it was the first time I've been doing this 33 years. It was the first time a media story was so outrageous and the reaction was so universal that 
the the mockery of the Sports Illustrated story became a huge media story across the country in and of itself. <laughs> so we did interviews for two days for all the major media about how ridiculous the Sports Illustrated story was. So pretty amazing. Yeah, I'll tell yeah, you. God, God works ahead. great ways. The, the, the amazing thing about, and I just say this, a lot of people know Coach Kennedy won. And I, the basic facts, if, if you, this is the first time you've heard about it, is Coach Kennedy was a Marine for 20 years, got out. Um, he saw this, he was asked to coach. And his coaching wasn't to be the head coach. He was the motivational guy. He was the guy, because he grew up in a really tough uh, situation where he's really with no parents from foster home to foster home. And he, he was a troubled uh, kid. And so he has a heart for reaching out to those kids on the team and motivating them and, and, and sort of being a support for them. And, and they loved him. Uh, so that was sort of his role in the team. But when he was asked to do it, he was like, man, I've never done anything like this. And, and he was wondering if he should. And that night he flipped on the TV and there was this movie on called facing the giants. And it's about Christian coaches. And at the end of the game, they would, they would pray win or lose, Lord, we, we, we thank you. And that just convicted him. He said, you know, I'm going to, I'm making a pleasure to you, God. I'm going to do that after every game when everybody's like on their phones, making reservations at a, at a restaurant and they're chatting and all that. First thing I'm going to do is go to a knee by myself and thank you for the privilege of coaching these men. And that's what he did for seven years until they came to him and they said, Hey, look, if, if you go to a knee again, we're going to fire you. <laughs> and he went to a knee and they fired him. And so most people are aware of that. And they know that we won at the Supreme Court, that Coach Kennedy is going back to being a coach. He will be able to go to a knee and they will not be able to stop him from praying and giving thanks after the game. But what people really don't know is that decision um, really is sort of at the same level as the Dobbs decision. Right. Dobbs overturned Roe v. Wade. The Coach Kennedy decision, within the decision, it overturns the Roe v. Wade of religious liberty, the really bad case of 50 years called Lemon. Lemon. And so it is a massive thing that happened in the middle of that case. Um, and I'll tell people, it, you know, Lemon goes back to the same court. It was within two years of when Roe v. Wade was saying. So it's the same Supreme Court that was really wreaking mischief on our country by uh, creating things that were not in the Constitution. What they did is they went to the Establishment Clause, which says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. What that means is we didn't want there to be an established national church that we all had to support because that would take away for our religious freedom. But back then, this court said, oh, no, it means a lot more than that. And they separation of church and state. And it means that if you're offended by religion, you can bring lawsuits and stop it and it just created all the things we've seen our whole lives, nativity scenes coming down, menorahs coming down, prayer being banned, kids told they can't do this or that religious thing in the school. Why? Because the founders would have had any problem with those things? No, it's because of this lemon case. And so four years ago, we had the uh, Bladensburg Cross uh, case, which is the, the big 100-year-old uh, veterans right. memorial that was put up for uh, mothers who lost their sons in World War I. It was a cross. And uh, the American Humanist filed a lawsuit. And at the Federal Court of Appeals, the Obama judges on that court said, um, 
why don't we just cut the arms off the cross? That way nobody will be offended. We won't have to tear it down. And so they declared it unconstitutional. We went to the Supreme Court, and because Kavanaugh and uh, Gorsuch were now in the court, we said, you know, maybe there's a chance for us to get rid of this lemon case, which has caused all this hostility to religion. So we asked them to get rid of lemon. Well, they ruled in our favor 7-2 in the case, but more importantly, 5-4, they said we, we refused to follow lemon. And that was sort of a crack in the armor. Um, and But I, I sat down with our staff, Doug, and I said, you know, this is really important, but we have got to move this into the schools where they've created all this hostility. But I said, I, I think it'll take us 10 or 15 years to get there. I mean, you know, yeah. these are younger kids. There's more sensitivity. It's going to take, there's like 7,000 citations to cases. And so when we got Coach Kennedy at the Supreme Court, we were like, you know, there's never been a case there on the rights of coaches or teachers with regard to their faith. This is a huge decision. So for us to go for getting rid of lemon, you know, so quickly, and in this case, it, it might be going for the grand slam where we lose the game when a bunch single wins. And right. so we didn't ask for him to get rid of lemon. We, we didn't. And so to our surprise, midway through the oral argument, out of nowhere, Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Gorsuch start talking about, hey, maybe it's time to get rid of lemon. And we're, our eyes are as big as silver dollars at that point during the oral argument. And so we never expected it. But you know what? It just happened. You read the decision and you go in that decision and about, you know, it's just as you're starting, it says, you know, we have abandoned lemon long ago is what they say. And they cite, <laughs> they cite to the Bladensburg Cross decision. And then the dissent just goes crazy. They've, they've overthrown lemon. They've overthrown lemon. And uh, I just don't know a way to get that across to your audience of how significant that is. But Hiram, you know, Hiram, Hiram came running into my office and said, I need $20 million. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> he said, every, he said, there's 7,000 citations to lemon. Every community now just got its cases overturned. When those monuments didn't go up, when they pulled that cross down, when they pulled that menorah down, when they said you couldn't pray, when they did every one of these things, we can now go back in those communities, open those cases, put the crosses back up, put the monuments back up, add prayer back in. He said, but we need lots of resources to go and do that. And and that is that is exactly true, though. Now, I, I've adjusted Hiram's uh, request because <laughs> <laughs> we don't have $20 million, but I said, you know what? We can do it for a lot less money if we just get the grassroots to do this. So we're creating right. a project right now. It's called Restoring Faith in America, where every single person out there listening can go into their own community. We're going to have a list of all the things that were overturned, and they can go back in themselves and say, hey, we need to put that monument back up. Or we need to add prayer back before our school board meeting. Or we need to, and they can do that themselves because the case law is now on their side. And if there is a legal problem, we can come in uh, and certainly help. So it's a it's it changed everything. It really did switch everything. And I just love the idea of when we think of what happened during the pandemic with all the protests and Antifa and all that of tearing statues down. We can now bring statues back up. We can bring our religious freedom and our heritage back in. And it really is a situation where we can go on the offense because the law is on our side. 
Well, it, it is, Kelly. And I think one of the things that's really interesting here, and you brought this up, there is such, and let's just let's stick on this for just a minute. Whether they understand Lemon or anybody else, everybody is, uh, you know, they go into the public place with this separation of church and state. You brought it up a few minutes. And we even had another sitting congressman. He, he has issues with, you know, complete candor at times. His name was Eric Swalwell, who just within the last 48 hours uh, or 72 hours, actually tweeted about the simple fact that, you know, undoubtedly you don't understand the Constitution, which says that there's separation of church and state. It's not in there. No. And, you know, so how can we, and I think this case will help that, explain to people who may be sitting out there saying, you know, they because they, here's what I'm seeing, and I see it a lot even among people who, quote, agree with us, is they've been so indoctrinated, whether they knew it or not, with Lemon. Okay, they've been so indoctrinated. Whoa, you can't do that. And, you know, We've had a lot of deals with Air Force, you know, as an Air Force chaplain, we had in the military, had in schools. You know, it, what can we say to that? Those people now who maybe have went through this, that you know, 10, 15 years ago, but they're now saying, "Hey, this gives us an opportunity." This idea of separation of church and state is not that there are these two blocks that never do meet. It, it's going back, and I want to explain that one a little more for folks. So that they can, you know, for those who've been indoctrinated saying, oh, you can't have a cross on public property. You can't, you know, you can't pray at a school board meeting. In, you know, terms that now can enlighten them a little bit more. How does this lemon overturning, but this Kennedy case help them? Yeah, separation. I mean, you know, number one, it's not in the word separation of church and state are nowhere in the Constitution. And right. most people think it, it's in there. It's not. Yep. Um, the first clause of the First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. In other words, we are not going to establish a national church that everyone has to support. That's what they came from, from the Church of England. That is it. That, I mean, that's all that's in there. So there's nothing about separation of church. It's, not about, it's about not having an established church, um, which I don't think we're in danger of. Uh, the denominational uh, differences and and all the diversity out there on that, there is no way we would ever have an actually <laughs> church. We can't even have two Baptist churches in the same room. That's Give me a exactly break. right. There's first and second can't even come together, right? <laughs> um, so, so I'd say that first. It's not in the Constitution. It's not what the Constitution says. But the concept, they even violate the whole concept. The concept of, of the idea of separation of church and state is that it's an institutional separation. It's, we don't want the church, one church to control the government. We don't want the government to control a church, right? And so that is an inst, and that's something we could probably all agree with, right? But they never use it that way. So when you go into the dissent in Coach Kennedy's case, it's Sotomayor talking about how damaging this is to separation of church and state. And you're sitting there going, Excuse me, but I see the state on one side, but on the other side, there's no church. It's Coach Kennedy. It's one guy. And this is the thing I love about our Constitution is even the powerful state has to bend its knee to one thing, and that's the United States Constitution. So one guy, Coach Kennedy, can beat the powerful state because he has rights to free speech and he has rights to the free exercise of his religion. But they always misuse it. What they're really trying to say is you can't have any religion around government. And right. it's really a, a sort of a, a sneaky way to try to shove religious freedom into the corners of society because government is everywhere. So, I mean, we're dealing with one of these right now in, um, in Florida. 
we, we are just filing a federal appeal. Two Christian schools were in the state football championship in Florida. And the Florida High School Athletic Association refused to let them have a prayer before their game. Why? <laughs> because they said the microphones they were going to be used since it was at uh, uh, the facility there was government owned. Those were government microphones. So that's, you know, so they can't, so if that's true, you can't mention your faith on a public sidewalk. You can't, right. you can't pray your, you can't bow your head over your meal in, in the park. Um, that's not America. It's never been America. That's a violation of the constitution, but this perversion even of the proper understanding of an idea of separation of church and state is how they sort of try to take a wrecking ball to religious expression. So if you look at our First Amendment, though, Doug, it says mm -hmm. it starts out. It says Congress shall make no law respecting establishment of religion, no established church, or the free exercise thereof. So what they were saying is we want full and complete free exercise of religion, and one of the ways we're going to make sure that that occurs is we don't want any established national church. And so that's what they're saying. So this idea of trying to use the government to create hostility to religion or push religion out of the public sphere would have been appalling to the founders. And what I love is, as you said, is we've now got justices who, instead of doing what they want to do, are looking to what the Constitution says. They're originalists, which means they actually look to what is the original meaning of the text and when it when they do that, it's taken us back to those founding principles and what it really meant, which is a great thing. And it's happening in every area. That's why they looked at Roe v. Wade and they were like, this is not in the Constitution. Right. You know, if you want to pass it, pass it. But it's not in the Constitution. So it, people don't understand this, Doug. They, it's the first time in 80 years that we've had a majority of justices who think their job is to find the original meaning of the text. Now, that's shocking to most people, it's that, but they understand we've been under a, a majority that thought it's a living, breathing constitution. We need to look at it and really kind of move it to where things are today. So really, they were acting uh, more like politicians and legislators overall, but that's gone now because you've got justices that say it doesn't matter whether what I think should happen. It's a matter of what was the original meaning of the text. And what I love about that is it's taken us back to those founding principles that are in the constitution. Uh, exactly, Kelly. And it's also taking it back to actually the justice looking at a piece of legislation yes. and saying, how does this relate to the constitution? And, and if the legislation gives you X authority, it doesn't give you more authority. And I think that's yes. been the, the really one of the big excuse here. And, and looking at that, as we go forward here, um, the, the concerning part, I mean, this goes into some other cases. I know you've got like the, these little shields of strength, which is a little dog tag, you know, that, that is amazing that they're now saying is establishment. What they're, again, it, it's also want to emphasize for folks listening to the podcast, we're not just talking about Christian here. You know, it's, right. it's Muslim, Jewish, no religion, other religion. Under that heading, you have the freedom of religion, expression. Yes. You have that ability. And and so many times this gets locked up, and, and I've heard some mainstream media talk about this being the Christian right and everybody. No, this is, it, if it applies, freedom of religion applies to all. And I think that's the, the interesting point here. That we have synagogue cases, up. Doug. We have synagogue cases all over the country where we're defending synagogues 
so the attacks on religious freedom are certainly not just Christian. Certainly most people are Christian, and that's where most of the attacks by government come. But I, I'm telling you that the, these synagogue cases, Jewish synagogue cases, it will just blow your mind. You can't believe what people are doing, what the government thinks it can do uh, to people. And so, so yeah, this is across the board, uh, religious freedom for everybody or for nobody. Now, some people get nervous sometimes, especially when, you know, you, you mentioned Muslim and we've had Muslim cases and they're like, oh, are you for religious freedom for Muslims? And they're <laughs> thinking like the right to Sharia law or to chop yeah. somebody's head off or whatever. And you're like, hey, look, it's a matter of what activity you're asking for freedom for the freedom yeah. to pray, the freedom to have a worship center, the free sure, the freedom to, you know, subjugate women. No, uh, that would violate our constitution, the freedom. So we all want religious freedom because it, it, they'll always start with the unpopular or the unpowerful. And if they lose their freedom, then they'll apply that immediately. And of course, this is what Marxism has to do is it has to remove religious freedom. The first thing that it does, if you look at throughout history, you know, you go in the Soviet Union, what, what was the first thing? They murdered all the priests because yeah. the idea, I mean, they're, they're, it's a, its own religion, really. Socialism and communism is, and they must rule. And so the one thing that they can't allow are a bunch of citizens who hold an allegiance to one higher than the government. So you'll see that clash anytime that kind of totalitarianism comes in. Uh, exactly. Well, and, and there's another case, and I want to sort of tie this up a little bit. You had the main school case, which sort of revolved around this whole issue of, and without diving deep into this one, but, but basically making a religious uh, school different simply because of this standard that, again, and what we're seeing now is, you know, we've talked about this before. Maine is they're now trying to reinvent the laws. You got New York now, you know, trying to go opposite extreme. I want to take just a few minutes as we sort of finish up here. The Can you think of another period? Now, I can think of it in a bad term because you mentioned, you know, the Roe, the Lemon, these, some of these cases. The courts go through these historical times in which we get bad law. I mean, we just get courts who are wanting to do what they want to do. This last couple of years in particular, and especially this year, will be historic. Law schools, people are going to talk about this one for a long time. That's a good thing. Where do you see this court going, Kelly? I, that's a, I, I'm a curious question. We we never we talked about this in general terms about what's happened, but where do you see this court going? And also, are you concerned of kickback in the lower level courts, the district courts, the circuit courts, uh, saying, you know, it may be what the Supreme Court said, but we're going to keep challenging this. That they that you could see some actually, you know, coming up with creative arguments. Uh, against some of this. How do you see that going along? Well, if you look at what happened under the Trump administration, and look, we we created the most extensive vetting uh, division in the country for all the judges because we knew there were so many seats open um, when Trump came into office. And, and you know, we wanted to make sure there are good judges going to court. So we, didn't, we just really did a, a real deep dive vetting on everybody. And what Trump did because of the numbers, there were 132 seats open when he arrived, which is very unusual. And these are lifetime appointments is it's going to be hard for um, uh, Biden to catch up with him. He would have to have more than four years. Um, so you're not only going to see the Supreme court still be overall more judges now who are going to follow the original meaning of the text 
but the lower court's the same overall. Um, not everywhere. Some circuits are bad. I mean, yep. the Ninth Circuit's been traditionally bad, as everybody knows, out of California. But the Fourth Circuit, to be honest, is worse. Uh, and uh, it's because Bush didn't fill his slots and they were left open. And so there's it's like nine to four liberal to conservative as far as the perspective and the approach they take to judging. So um, just realize, I mean, Biden is moving as fast as he can. Uh, it's actually a record number of appointments, but he's going to fill what's there. And then he's still not going to be able to catch up. It would take a long time. So what you're going to see, unless something unusual happens, like court packing or these other extreme ideas they have, which would destroy our courts, um, is you're going to see that Supreme Court remain in place for a good amount of time. And you're going to see the lower courts also be similarly in that the majority of the judges and justices out there will be originalist. In other words, they'll look to the original meaning of the text. And so overall, you're going to get that. But you still are going to have these renegade judges who, you know, will be willing to be overruled, which is what's going to happen. I think that's what's going to happen in our Cambridge Christian case we, we have. I mean, telling two Christian schools they can't pray before their game. Uh, we got a, a district court judge who thought that was just great. Um, I think we're going to get that overturned uh, now that we're going to the federal court of appeals. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. Um, like, I don't know what's going to happen with this uh, situation with Biden uh, trying to, you know, wipe out everybody's school loans up to $10,000, uh, you know, a person. Um, but I think it's, it's probably, you know, you're pro if it ever reaches the Supreme court, I think they're going to say he didn't have that authority. Right. Right. But what will happen below, we don't know, but you can appeal those up. And so I think you're eventually going to usually get to a good court that just follows the original meaning of the text. Uh, but definitely you're, you're going to get some different rulings uh, at the very, at the district court level, especially, and at some of these courts of appeals, that are pretty radical and pretty out of line with uh, the rest of the country. Well, and I think you made a great point there. The district court, you know, well, uh, Biden's been filling a lot of district court judges, but the court of appeals, that was the, the Trump domination there is going to come back in, in a big way. Finishing up with this, that's sort of a fun one. And, and we've watched this for a while. I think the emergence, because the court watchers, and I know this is not for everybody. This is sort of the geeky part of it. Court watchers have watched for a long time. The, the Roberts Alito uh, dance, Alito really came forward in this session and in last session, you see him is, is, is very powerful. They've added, of course, Gorsuch, uh, Comey Barrett, uh, Kavanaugh. Uh, but the one that has made me feel good <clears throat> is this court, in, this session in particular, a little bit last session, is finally Justice Thomas is seemingly you know, in many ways coming forward and putting a stamp on the court uh, that he's he's been at for many, many years, but the left just absolutely despises him. But oh, his, yeah. he just had a great session. Uh, and I was glad, as a Georgia boy, I was glad to see that. Uh, does that didn't it make you feel good that Thomas is now sort of you know, expressing a lot of what we've known for a long time, but now in a position to actually do it? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Thomas has always been, really a, a leader and, but he's, he stood by himself a lot of times, yeah. you know, in the past, right. Uh, they used to, at the beginning, they tried to make him again. I think it was really racist. They tried yeah. to make him like he was a, uh, not a heavyweight and he just followed Scalia. 
And then when right. you looked at the actual stats, it was actually the other way around. I mean, Scalia is <laughs> very strong, but he was more likely to join with Thomas. Uh, and so, so I think it, and I, one of the things that's fascinating, Doug, if people don't watch this very closely, if you look at the great judges that were appointed under the Trump administration, and I mean, not just Supreme Court, but lower court, um, you'll find that a lot of those leading stars were, yep. were, were people who clerked for Justice Thomas. Yep. Uh, and it was fascinating. If you look at, at which justice more people came from, it was Justice Thomas. So he's yep. not only sort of in his intellect and his stance uh, being more principled and sort of a leader uh, of, of conservative judges, but he's the one that has sort of mentored all these people who have been his clerks that are now becoming the future uh, you know, leading uh, more conservative judges. So it's it's fascinating to watch. I mean, uh, some great, great uh, judges out there. I know I think uh, uh, Judge Ho was one of them that you met uh, recently. Right. And it's just, you start looking at the opinions, uh, the brilliance, the uh, commitment to the Constitution. Um, boy, it makes you feel really good about the future with those judges uh, although I'll admit the current ones being appointed are not exactly of highest quality. Uh, I think overall, we still have uh, great judges across the country and, and, uh, I, I feel really good about things. I hope we can all pray for justice Thomas, that his health would remain very strong and good because, uh, he's a great leader and, and he always thinks and says things that are absolutely true, but sometimes people are scared because of politics, not to say, and judges shouldn't be that way. They should just do their job and lay out what the law is and not get into the politics. And uh, that's what Justice Thomas, I think, is an example of. It, uh, I had the privilege of being sworn into the Supreme Court bar by Justice Thomas and my <laughs> wife and I got to spend, thought we were going to get to spend about 10 minutes with him. You know, I was a member of Congress. He was, you know, it was, toward, it was right after the end of the session in June. Ended up being almost an hour and a half. Him and my wife ended up talking more about gardening than anything else. He's just a great guy. But he but he made that comment. He said, "Look, the only way to go out as a Supreme Court justice is when you when they take you out." And he said, "Literally." And it, and I and I see him doing that, um, folks. FirstLiberty.org is where you go to find out about more about First Liberty Institute. Kelly, uh, I am so thankful that you listened to God's call. Um, as many of us do, we we sort of run from that call. We have. Uh, we want to make our own terms, but God made those terms for you. And in these 30 plus years since has made a, a real difference in the life of our country. We're going to keep having you also, Mike Berry, many others from First Liberty on here on the podcast, talking about what people can do to uh, understand how they protect those first principles and first rights. So uh, again, thanks for being on it. Great session on this time. We've got a lot more to come up, but Kelly, thanks for being a part of the podcast today. No, thank you, Doug. Hey, everybody, MyPillow, I just wanted to let you know, MyPillow is having the biggest sheet sale of the year. Uh, you have all have helped build MyPillow into an amazing company that it is today. And now Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. Uh, the Percal bed sheet is set is available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they're all on sale. For example, the queen size is regularly priced at $89.98, but it is now only $39.98 with our listener promo code. Order now because they, when they're gone, they're gone. You're not going to be able to get it. These Percale sheets are breathable. They have cool, crisp feel. They feel they come with a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 
986-3994. Use the promo code Collins, C-O-L-L-I-N-S, or you can go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use the promo code Collins, C-O-L-L-I-N-S. Lisa and I sleep on these sheets every night. You will want to have them as well. They're a wonderful product. Go right now, either 800-986-3994, code word Collins, or go to MyPillow.com. Also use the code word Collins to get this discount. You will not regret it. 